Welcome to the Gripster Podcast, episode 40. Uh, it's uh, New Year 2021. We are back better than ever, supposedly. Uh, we'll be uh, here for you all year, talking about all things motorsports, football, or whatever else comes up. Uh, I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, hopefully, this is going to be a good year for racing. Looks like it'll be a, a good year, or at least a, a year of hope for football, at least for me with the Jaguars. Um, and, you know, hopefully, certainly a better year than last year on other aspects as well, you know, and hopefully, you know, can continue to grow and be better than what we were last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're already trying to make connections with some guests, trying to do some collaborations to go and cross promote, uh, to really continue the upward trend that we had to start last year. Uh, it's unfortunate this pandemic uh, had to happen and, and it's affected so many people negatively. Um, but I will say that one positive that did come from it is the fact that we have been able to do this connect and and do this and really have fun and we're going to continue to do it uh long term uh, that's the plan unless we both get married or something and then have kids and then we'll probably both not have any time anymore but then that's all other thing um i figure it's we have to talk about it since it happened today um we'll have to start on a little somber uh negative note uh, before we get into the NFL, talk about playoffs, talk about um, our teams, talk about fantasy, all kinds of things. With that, we're going to go over some racing news. Um, Anthony Alfredo Fast Pasta will be uh, going for the Cup Rookie of the Year against Chase Briscoe. I um, mean, he's going to get his ass kicked for the Rookie of the Year, but either way, he's a good guy. Um, I hope he beats Michael McDowell in his submission. It'll be great. Um, not the way that he usually gets beaten by guys like, um, you know, Daniel Suarez or other people that have beat the crap out of him. But uh, like actually on the racetrack, um, we'll talk about that. We'll kind of hit on some key topics, things that have been going on. Um, not sure we really spent a lot of time on Marzipan. We might just have some rants on Marzipan um, since he does have a job because, of course, um and anything else that really comes along here tonight. Um, but first, uh, there was an attack on uh, the Capitol, uh, U.S. Capitol, uh, while the um, certification of the electoral votes uh, was supposed to take place this afternoon for um, the presidential election, which um, saw uh, Joe Biden uh, defeat uh, Donald Trump, uh, domestic terrorists, um, even though they may not want to call them that, that's what they are, going and um, charging and, and getting into secure, supposedly secure buildings, which tells you um, how great the cops are, um, that they would allow these idiots to go and uh, attack or try to attack people and try to circumvent or subvert um, a situation it it is a sad day it's a day that's gonna the I, I think it was Lyndon Johnson President Johnson who said it was a day they'll live in infamy I may be wrong but uh, my presidential history 
well, when you consider that the current president's a moron. Um, they, no, that then, was uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt. For, you're talking about World War II. That's uh, Day Live in Infamy. That's uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, was, no problem. I told you I didn't. That I, I know my motorsports history. I know my sports history. My presidential history is about as good as the current guy. So whatever. Um, <laughs> either way, it's a, it's a really sad day. Um, in our society, uh, that this is what it's come down to, that we're turning into like a third world country. Um, it's, I, I, I pray for a lot of people. Um, you know, I pray for the people that matter most to me in my life, um, whether it's my, my immediate family, my friends, like Josh, I, I pray for all of us because fundamentally there's, the, we've we've gone off the rails and uh, we do this podcast for fun we try to use this as a, a platform to to go and and discuss things that are positive and or try to be positive even though we may go off on on tangents and stuff but it, what happened today was was fucked up and it was out of control and the fact that there was there really wasn't a control or, or preparation for this as though it wasn't going to happen um, shows a general lack of intelligence or wherewithal on a lot of levels and it and it offends me to the core that this kind of stuff can go on um, considering where we live um, where we're supposed to live um, it's it's pretty sad I have to say um, Josh what were your thoughts when you saw it, what were you doing? Like, where where were you at when you were hearing all this stuff was going on? I mean, I was at work. Uh, yeah, doing I was software too, engineering so. stuff. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's um, it's insanity. Um, it's it's just crazy that this can happen like that. And you know, I was talking to somebody at work, and we were talking about this incident. And they you were saying like, you know, like. This makes us look bad to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the stock market. I mean, the Dow and the um, Nasdaq, I think, finished in the green or whatever. But like around, you know, around the time that the incident happened, there is like it was going up and up, and then it just sharply went down. And you know, it's just short-sightedness as well. Um, you know, the president talks about the stock market going up and up, uh, trying to keep things open. But then, you know, this this whole thing about like um, losing the election and um, saying that, you know, the other party cheated or whatever is um, just stupidity because it's short sightedness. And it, you know, like if if that election was fake or illegitimate, then all the other elections had to have been um, bad because it, it can't just be his yeah. You know, one election that was Absolutely. fraudulent or whatever. Yeah. Um, the the congressman for that, you know, for those yeah. states, um, um, the senators or whatever, uh-huh. you know, all of that has to be uh, fraudulent too. Yeah. Um, and there's no evidence for that. I mean, Trump's own people that he appointed for judges of, you know, I think they've all rejected the lawsuits or whatever. I mean, Pence, his own guy. Uh, went ahead and said he wasn't going to um, use his power. I mean, he, he said he doesn't have the power to overturn the election. And, you know, he said for the most part that his thing is cere- uh, ceremonial, which it is. Um, and, you know, he 
doesn't have the power to do that. And I mean, he did his job and you're starting to see the break now with uh, Mr. Trump and Mr. Pence um, in that in that aspect because he said you know he's not gonna not gonna go uh, across this line and and uh, overturn the election um, and President Trump just not continue uh, to listen to anybody but himself and he uh, festered uh, this uh, I guess movement you know and then and then he goes and backs off of it later on with the video that he posted but you know by that point it's all been said and done yeah um, it's just it's just complete short-sightedness, like I said, because you know you you have to accept the result of the election, um, and also um, you know there's a a fact that they could have uh, used the the tools to their advantage, being the early voting, mail-in voting, instead of casting doubt on that, they could have used that their their advantage and mm-hmm. won the election. Um, they could have done a better job of preventing covid before it started to spread you know by um not necessarily by you know implementing lockdowns or anything like that but by providing more testing um you know he tries to frame covid as being something that the democrats are doing to uh um, steal the election from him or whatever. Um, I'm misquoting that but you know that that's you yeah. know that was kind of the sentiment yeah, that's but, basically what he yeah, was trying to but do. It's you know they could have framed it as oh let's let's be the best at 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 preventing co- uh, coronavirus let's yeah. you know make America be number one and that aspect and they didn't do that um, and they're you mean make America to that. great yeah you I mean, mean make America great and actually handle do his actual job yeah exactly exactly um, so it it was just you know just sum it all up. I mean, it's just shameful. And this is basically the culmination of, you know, everything. And to be honest, like this, this shouldn't have been, I mean, it, it was expected, not the actual like storming the Capitol, but I mean, I know that a lot of people had the January 6th marked on their calendar and, um, for this and, um, you know, the, the president, you know, he has a huge ego and like, it's like, yeah, it, he has to have it be served in every way possible. I mean, this is the guy. Remember, this is the guy that had the birther movement uh, back in 2011 or whenever it was, and um, festered that conspiracy theory, and just you know, he's continuing to promulgate conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. And you know, it's just been bad. And you know, like, I mean, I don't know about your politics, but you know, I'm like conservative, libertarian leaning, and I mean. I, you know, like after about a couple of months when Trump had originally announced his candidacy, he talked about like different things and, and whether like I was trying to analyze if this guy was like actually conservative or not. And then like when he started attacking Ted Cruz for his citizenship um, back during the 2016 uh, Republican primaries, like it was just, uh, I realized, yeah, this guy's like not the guy. Like he's, you know, definitely not what he's um, saying who he is, and and the we shouldn't vote for him. And you know, they went and took took the the bait hook, line, and sinker, and look mm-hmm. where we are now. So and now it's now Ted Cruz is kissing his ass. So. Yeah, exactly. And Ted, you know, he insulted Ted insulted or or sorry, Trump insulted Ted Cruz. You know, insulted his dad, Rubio, his wife, and and um, you know, I think I think at the beginning, like when that happened, that. They kind of did try to stand up for Trump, but then later on they had to get behind, or they decided to get behind him, 
and it's just it's just sad that this is the state of um, politics today in this country. It's sad that this is what the Republican Party come to, and um, you know now now that we're gonna have to live with this, and um, you know hopefully hopefully it gets better. But I mean, if this is what happened today uh, at the Capitol, then I really wonder what it's gonna be like in two weeks or whenever the twentieth is. Um, you know, maybe they're gonna have to put it in Biden's basement or something for yeah. the inauguration. We'll see what yeah. happens. Um, yeah, you know, they, it's, it's gonna be it's, really it's, wild. But it's, it's sad. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just trying to you know get my thoughts because it's not just today. It's like like it's everything leading up to today that happened. You know, that led up to this, and um, it's just it's unbelievable that this is what what the conservative movement the movement that's supposed to be the one that says that they're you know morally right or whatever the ones mm-hmm. on the side of the the law law and order that this is what happened so yeah um i mean i i hate that it happened and it's just just unbelievable that we're literally living in i mean last year was history and i mean like like this was just like last year all in like one day i feel like yeah 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 it's so, it's it's insane i'll tell you yeah. I mean, I'm I definitely don't fit the core NASCAR fan on so many levels, of course, or NHRA fan for that matter, um, on um, multiple demographics. But I also am kind of I think I'm more center left or probably, you know, I could go center right, center left, depending on the issue. That's really where I'm at. And fundamentally, I mean, I would like if it's kind of like if I were if I were to be one of those ball lickers that somehow get in there, like I would caucus on one side or whatever. But still, this is this is insane. Like it's like living in Russia. And I mean, that's basically what we've been dealing with. And it's it's fundamentally I don't want us to become this is this is it. I'm not trying to go. I, I refuse to give this guy any more attention he, nobody, he, none of his stupid, you know, there's only people who think that he's worthwhile probably listen to this because I make feigned references to it over time anyway. Um, but, you know, fuck him and fuck any of those people who thought that this was okay. Um, go to hell um, and karma, the karma train should hit you and every single person that enabled it. I hope the if the law if the judicial system and the in law enforcement actually was worthwhile, they would all be due in time. And if they and if they were if there were people of color, they would have shot all those people. That's the difference. Yeah, that's fundamentally wrong. And they and and it's like I saw stuff tweets about oh, these same idiots snowflakes are crying about the bubble walls and black lives matter car and the noose and all that and they're the same idiots that are walking around trying to charge a capital and trying to subvert an election go to hell that's what yeah. you can do that's what you in and suck a dick too because you probably do probably like balls like freaking lennon grand Lindsay. yeah i mean it, i mean if it, if it were a legitimate issue like you know like like they actually had evidence. Well, we wouldn't be here at this point, yeah. but you know, if there actually was evidence and they were going to go all the way through to the certification with the fraudulent election, then I could see maybe a reason to storm the Capitol. But I mean, this thing was legal the whole way. There's no evidence or proof of anything. The simple yeah. matter of the fact is that, you know, one, one party used the, 
uh, the system to his advantage, and the other one decided that they weren't going to um, follow or not follow the rules, but uh, you know that they were basically going to just shoot themselves in the foot and then blame the other side for it. So yeah, it's yeah. it's just you know just bad all around. Um, I mean, I guess good if those those. I'm sorry. It would be yeah. good if all those idiots that felt like they were were it was good to go down there would go to Trump Tower or Trump whatever casino, whichever shithole casino he has down here in Atlantic City. When they're about to implode it on the 25th, they should all go and go inside there and around all the explosives. And then when they detonate the place, then. If they're still there, then good, whatever. We could see whatever because they're probably living off the government anyway. But if they're not living off the government and they're still functional, then whatever. Who cares? You can just dump them in the river because that's the kind of people that they, they deserve. That's what they deserve. You know, yeah. it's, it's just insane. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. It offends Yeah. So, All right. So that's, that's it that. for – that's the end of the politics here, uh, hopefully – uh, in 2020, in regards to the national, our our societal politics, there'll probably be a lot of racing politics here uh, this year on uh, the GSP. But um, let's. Uh, I'm going to throw it now. I mean, Josh, you were able, you eloquently explained a lot of stuff that has gone on and why it's it's wrong. And but now we're going to go to something positive, which is your Jacksonville Jaguars have earned the number one pick in the NFL draft. You have a coaching search go ongoing. You were doubting that they were going to fire Doug Marone. They did. So now, uh, how does it feel that you're going to have Trevor Lawrence um, as the number one overall pick? What do you think he's going to do with the players that you have there already? And then um, who do you look for as – a higher. I mean, I have my thoughts on one particular person that they're talking about, even the other person that I would think that they would be looking at. But um, I want to get your thoughts since you are a Jacksonville Jaguars diehard. Yeah, I think for me, like the hope that Trevor Lawrence brings uh, is just enough to show that there is legitimate uh, opportunity for the franchise to actually be successful. Uh, they'll have to build the team around him, uh, which they kind of already do on offense. They have some solid pieces there, but the you know the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017 they had a chance to go all the way to the Super Bowl and we weren't able to do that. And largely it's because of uh, the inability of Blake Bortles to um, really uh, be able to attack defenses and read, uh, you know, coverages and, and throw a ball accurately. Uh, and, and that, that's a lot of it. And they weren't able to win because they got scared in the second half and then of the AFC championship game and they, uh, couldn't move the ball as well. And I think with Trevor Lawrence, uh, they'll have that ability to get past that point and actually get to the Super Bowl and then hopefully win the Super Bowl. But of course, you know, the number one key is, in the draft isn't a, a guarantee, but uh, he, he's the best prospect in the uh, NFL draft process as a quarterback since at least Andrew Luck. Uh, he's got the tools. He has the arm strength. He's mobile. Uh, he's able to uh, throw the deep ball really good. Um, he does a lot of th good things well. Uh, so I'm just excited to finally have a legitimate quarterback and, and hopefully, you know, they can actually win some games next year. Um, there is a theory that 
NFL teams when when they lose uh, close games being seven points or less. Uh, if they tend to lose like five or more of those in one season, the next season they tend to flip uh, the script on that and and uh, increase their win value. Whereas other teams that win close games um, but have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of definitive wins, they tend their records tend to flip the, the following season. So going on that theory, the Jaguars should be good for at least six wins next year, which is five more than what they had in 2020, which is one win. So uh hopefully you know six and ten i mean obviously it's not ideal because it's not playoffs or anything like that but certainly if they can do like something like that but show legitimate growth on offense and and at least keep it close on defense then that would be good uh you know i talked about offensively like they've they've got uh dj chark who's a good wide receiver uh uh, Keelan Cole, who they should re-sign. He's going to be a free agent, but they ought to re-sign him to a decent deal. He's good number two or slot guy. Chenault uh, should be a great slot receiver, number two guy as well. Um, he's got a lot of strength, and and um, a lot, I, I think he's a, a good tool to have as both a receiver and as a rusher. Uh, he had some attempts with rushing this year. Um, James Robinson, he, he's a legitimately good running back. The, yeah, Stug. the... Yeah, the Jaguars, they've had Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew, and uh, now I think James Robinson is the next uh, great Jacksonville running back. It also uh, had Natron Means way back when, yeah. too. Yeah, Natron Means business, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, but Robinson, he's able to um, read uh, holes and actually uh, at least not lose yards. And you mean like, often unlike, they, yeah, unlike Fournette. Leonard Fournette? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unlike Leonard Fournette, um, he actually reads the hole and and uh, reads it well and able to go through the line and at least get positive yardage. And he doesn't have great top end speed, but he's just able to um, make those moves uh, at the line of scrimmage so well. And that's why he he's able to get first downs and you know yard five yard runs and stuff. So that's exciting for him. Um, tight end is an issue. Uh, we have Tyler or Tyler Eifert. Um, who isn't really that great, but maybe with a good quarterback, maybe he'll have a year reminiscent like he had in like 2015 when he made the Pro Bowl and had uh, like 10 plus touchdowns or whatever it was. So that that should be good. But you know, I could see them upgrading tight end. Um, and then on defense, you know, we got Miles Jack as linebacker is probably one of the more underrated linebackers in the league. I mean, he's only a weak, weak side linebacker. His contract there might be an issue because they did sign a middle linebacker deal when they did last year or in 2019, but uh, he's uh, definitely really good in coverage and as a tackler. Um, he had his best season as a pro, I think. C.J. Henderson, jury's still out on him, but uh, the game that he had against the Colts, the first game of the season, showed what he can do as a cornerback in coverage and his ability to take away the number one receiver, I think, should be um, something to look out for. Um, so hopefully he can do that. And he did have some good uh, good games later in the year before he got hurt, um, forced, a termo, uh, forced a fumble on Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Um, that was another highlight from him. Um, Josh Allen, hopefully he can uh, get more sacks uh Next year, um, he did have QB pressures, but just didn't quite get to the quarterback. Calavion uh, Chason had a great quarter or final quarter of the year. Uh, the first like three quarters of the year, he was really bad, and then 
last four or five games, he was able to really push the pocket and start getting after the quarterback. Um, so hopefully him and Allen could actually be a pretty good ta- uh, tandem. Defensive tackle is an issue. Um, I think maybe middle linebacker and safety are also another issue. But, you know, hopefully they can patch those or, or get better in those areas or players already there can improve. So it's looking like it's on the hope uh, and, uh, you know, on the positive for the Jaguars going into 2021. And then, of course, the coach, uh, I think there it looks like it's basically uh, all but a formality that it's going to be Urban Meyer. I know they are talking to other people, but it's um, looking like that Urban Meyer is probably going to be their guy based on the people that I've seen talk about it on social media. Um, I, I guess, you know, they got to do their interviews and stuff just yeah. to make sure that, you know, they just didn't go ahead and just sign him immediately. Yeah. You know, they, they have to do the Rooney yeah. rule thing, which is probably yeah. where they're going to interview Bob Sala. They're probably yeah. going to token interview Eric B um, That's what it's going to be. It's going to be token interviews. They're probably going to go for urban wire before he has his health issues again. Yeah. That's the other issue. Uh, you know, hopefully in three years it doesn't get too hard for him and he decides to like fake another heart attack or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm hopefully none of that stuff comes up. But you know, the plus side is is that he doesn't have the stress of college football because you know there's the recruiting aspect or it's a 24/7 deal with recruiting year round. Uh, there's a lot of you know stuff with the NCAA that you have to uh, follow with uh, and you know not violate their rules or whatever. So the NFL, you know, um, especially with the Jaguars being kind of low expectations, it shouldn't be as stressful. Um, so hopefully he's able to uh, do a better job coaching there. Uh, I think think his ability, like if they can find some good coordinators as well, that would yeah. uh, um, be a, a good positive as well. Um, I think I think they're going to hire him more for his ability to build up a program and actually uh you know have competent coaching and and competent play on the field so um it's looking like it's all going to be a positive i'm not sure about the gm who it will be yeah you but don't want trent bulky to stick around yeah but Definitely i do like not. the idea of going to uh, the coach picking the gm and then kind of just telling the gm like okay, here's the players that I need or the guys that I want, go get them. And I think that's a better model uh, rather than having the GM kind of uh, run everything as it was before. So um, a lot of positive for the Jaguars, hopefully. And, you know, there's this joke that um, a lot of Jaguar fans and I have about the Jaguars being viability uh, or needing to be viable. And that's more of their financial thing with um, their uh, local revenue compared to the rest of the league. Uh, which they're trying to frame as they need to be more viable as in uh, increased local revenue when in fact they're fine. But I think the play on the field now will actually be viable for once. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. I think having Trevor Lawrence will be box office no matter who your coach is. The fact that you're going to get a guy that won a national champ- won national titles at Florida back as your coach is also going to be box office. Um you know, I think Shad Khan is looking forward to having that combination. I'm not really all that sold or keen that on Urban Meyer as an NFL coach. I don't really believe that that's a great idea. But, you know, um, 
I think you, if you really want a college coach that's down that that actually has proven in the NFL that he could do it if he's given the tools to do the job uh, you might as well just go and try I mean of course he's going to get an extension at Michigan but um, Harbaugh proved that he could do it and he got ran out of town because of who he because he's an asshole um, and also because of Trent Balky the I forget what the hell that loser was um, the the baloney the baloney distributor what the fuck was his name um, Jim Tom Sula the regional baloney distributor a fat pig and then um, Parag Marath and all those people in San Francisco that all kiss Jed York's ass. I sound like I'm talking like a Iron Sheik. We're <laughs> talking about Brian Blair. That's what it sound. That's what happened. You know, he, he need they they did Jim Harbaugh old country way the same way as uh, Roger Goodell did uh, Colin Kaepernick. But um, yeah, I think Jacksonville. At the end of the day, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence. The offense definitely is well ahead of the defense, mainly because you've gotten rid of, you know, two stud guys because they didn't want to be there in um, in Ramsey and then Gawkway. Uh, but your defense a couple of years ago was ridiculous. The amount of talent that was all over that defense, and now three years later, you basically don't have any of those players left which is insane which is a combination of you know how things imploded under Tom Coughlin and um, you know but I also think that Doug Marone nice guy not really an elite coach um, I think he's probably a nice coordinator um, I think he could have a very long career as a coordinator frankly he kind of has Wade Phillips vibes not he's not as good uh, he won't be as good as Wade Phillips I mean to be honest the last good Buffalo coach before Sean McDermott was Wade Phillips but even he was too stupid to he didn't even know the right quarterback to pick and that was probably part of the reason why he got ran out of town there and that's a separate topic I guess we'll talk about that with our playoff um, previews here uh, for me uh, the Niners side of things, uh, the three, what is it? There was three quarters of pretty solid football there on Sunday, and then um, they shit the bed. Bob Sala's last uh, performance as a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers is good for three quarters, and then they didn't show up in the fourth quarter. Kind of sounds like the Super Bowl. Um but then the Shanahan's also responsible for that too, and Jimmy because he likes looking at himself in the mirror and he can't throw a fucking deep ball for his life. Um, the the Niners, I mean, even with C.J. Beathard, they're actually the wheel stayed on. Jeff Wilson was gaining yards like crazy. You know, Mike McGlinchey wasn't a turnstile for once, which was a plus because he fucking blows. Typical Notre Dame piece of shit um you know trent williams has been awesome i mean to lose joe staley because of his neck and having to retire but somehow or another possibly get a better left tackle and one of the best there's been in a long time in trent williams uh he has been the one lone bright spot on that offensive line i mean the running game has been able to function they plugged in different guys and been able to run the ball all year 
they only had one 100 yard rusher, but in a game, but it is what it is. Quarterback play is going to be a key. Uh, whether they draft one, whether they get a veteran, whether they do both, um, rumors are Jimmy G is going to go back to New England. They're saying all the things about, oh, they're going to keep, you know, Jimmy G. I don't buy it. Um, I, I find the New England rumor to be the most likely one. Um, if Bob Sala goes to Detroit, I think he might go and do Matthew Stafford a solid and go and try to make a deal with San Francisco and try to send Matt Stafford to San Francisco. Um, that would be nice. Uh mainly because it would be cool to see Matt Stafford with that talent, with a running game, because he's never had one ever in Detroit, ever. Uh, not even – I mean, this year, sort of, but then they're, they're, the wheels were already coming off anyway because Patricia sucks. And, you know, Adrian Peterson, God bless him. He's one of the best ever, but, you know, he's at the end of his time. And they had some running backs. They actually do, but it's whatever. It's Detroit. I think that would be cool. I mean, I kind of would, I really would like one of two guys. I would really want A.A. Ron, but I think if they go and somehow or another beat Kansas City or Buffalo in the Super Bowl, I don't think he's ever leaving. Um, and our, Or Deshaun Watson. That would be really cool. And they could make up for the mistake they made three, four years ago when they should have drafted him at two overall, or three overall for that matter. And... Um, they pass on him for Solomon Thomas for whatever reason. Um, you know, they had to come back two years later and go and draft Magaboy. But the difference is Nick Bosa is a freaking not human, just like his brother. They're not human. So that I get. The guy is the literally our season. It started the whole 2020 year was at Super Bowl. They're leading the game. They lost. Then week two, losing Nick Bosa was basically the beginning. It was him and George Kittle got hurt in that game too. So there you go. Your two best players on your team get hurt in the same game. One for the year. One basically fought the rest of the year to try to even play. He played the last couple of games, but hey, you know, it's it's unbelievable. And just the wheels came off after that. It was horrendous. I think we have we had more players on IR than we had actual players. I think we were probably starting guys are probably from the Arena League or XFL or CFL or AAF or insert alphabet soup here. I don't know some of these effing people we had. And I it's like I, I I'm a forty nine fan i'm a die i would call myself a diehard but i don't even know some of these effing people i mean it's a, I, I don't even want to know some of these people they, they suck so bad but the quarterback situation we're going to talk about it here during this draft process during free agency is going to definitely be uh interesting to see what the niners do because they there definitely seems to be a lot of um momentum under the notion of one that Jimmy's going to get traded, but two that the Niners are trying to get all the way up the board. Um, and they might have to give up a King's ransom to get up there to go and get not of course, Trevor Lawrence, but you know, maybe, uh, 
Justin Fields or Zach Wilson from BYU. Um, there's, of course, other options out there. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. But I think Zach Wilson is the one that I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have their eyes on, and everybody knows it seemingly. Um, you know, the great Joey Barnes, who writes for motorsport.com and other websites, and he's a 49er fan, and we follow each other, and I follow his work, and I respect him. He's one of the best journalists there is. And uh, we talk about it. He's he's an Ian Book guy. So we may try to get him on here possibly to go and figure out why he wants Ian Book, probably because he's a Notre Dame fan. But also, but I'd like to know why if Ian Book is viable, because maybe then they wouldn't have to give up the farm to go and get a quarterback, get a veteran. I, I mean, I'd rather have the veteran because the team's ready now. They're the only team that didn't have a winning record in that division. The other three teams are in the playoffs, but they had a winning record in division. Like they had a, they didn't, they had a losing record overall, but they had a winning record in division. So that tells you that they're not as far away. And fundamentally, I mean, there are problems that exist with this team that they didn't address, which I mean, John Lynch is a hall of fame player, but I'm starting to question his ability to evaluate talent I'm starting to question Kyle Shanahan um, on a few things. His hat choices <laughs> on top of his play calling, decision making, closing ability. Um, we will all we will see that as this goes along. But um, this place a year ago, the Niners were the number one seed. They had come off of an amazing game. Uh, Dre Greenlaw. Uh, tackled some effing tight end in Seattle and took their soul that just that was one of the most amazing feelings I've had in my life watching them beat the shithawks in their dump of a stadium uh that was such a great feeling and then this year we ended with the Washington Generals winning because the Philadelphia Eagles decided to say yeah whatever no moss and um the Giants fans crying, which is just, and the players like just white freaking snowflake douchebag, um, what's golden taint, crying wolf, Evan Ingram, who has hands of stone, crying wolf, like Joe Fudge, crying wolf. You won six fucking games. You suck. Yeah, Go to hell. They should have been better than that. Yeah, it's like, go to hell. You didn't deserve to go to the playoffs. And better, and more, moreover, if you people actually made plays or you coached better, maybe you would have been in a position to make it so that you could get ass reamed by Tom Brady the way he jacks his kids the, he, on Saturday, Saturday night, which is what's going to happen to the Washington Generals. I mean, no offense to Alex Smith, God bless him, for all the crap he's gone through, 80, 86 coaches he's probably had over his career, thought he was going to lose his freaking leg, all these things, his beautiful wife and kids all being up there, and, and Ron Rivera, you know, fighting cancer, one of the best people there is in this league. You're going to get run, and it's not even going to be a question. Like, Antonio Brown's 
wannabe um, Kanye West gimmick is now going to go and come off in full force because he's going to probably have like three touchdowns on 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 Saturday. And him and Godwin, the two of them together. I mean, I feel so bad for Mike Evans because that dude's a beast. But that that Godwin and Antonio Brown combination with probably Scotty Miller. I guess we'll talk. We'll start start talking about the playoffs now. Um, will I think is going to be the key for for the TB12 boy kissing method to go and um, destroy Washington. The one key that could turn it the other way, of course, is Chase Young. Like I talked about Nick Bosa, but Chase Young is 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 subhuman himself. If he can go and start getting to Brady, that's when he gets his happy feet. I think that is where this thing turns because that's where Washington's whole their game is on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to yeah. win chasing points. Um, Alex Smith has never been able to get into shootouts. He's never been a shootout kind of guy. He's a 20 to 16 kind of guy. Uh, that's just usually what he's been. That's what he's been for 15 years. Um, I watched it for God knows how long, seven, eight years in San Francisco. Not most of it, not his fault, but they can't chase points. If ta- Tampa is able to, to score at will, um, it isn't going to be a contest. I don't know what you think though. Yeah. So I think for me with Tampa, it's going to depend on Tom Brady and, just how much he's able to do. And we saw just how powerful he could be like he was his old self in the Saturday game, uh, the week 16 against the Lions. And, you know, he posted a big game there. But then we've also seen what he's looked like in other games, like when they played against the Saints both times uh, in 2020, and he played poorly in those games. And you started to see the Tom Brady looking like a human, not the Tom Brady that we've seen at New England. And I think the Washington defense, if their defensive line can start to get pressure on him and start to uh, put uh, QB hits on him, they can sack him a few times. Um, it's going to be a struggle for Tom Brady. Um, I think on offensively for the football team, their running game is pretty good. Uh, I think it's a little bit underrated. Uh, than what some people maybe think it is, but I think they have the ability to have a good outing. Um, I'm not sure how well they'll do. I mean, the Buccaneers, I think, have a good run defense also, and they have a pretty decent defense overall too. So I overall think that this game is going to be a defensive struggle between the two teams, and I'm going to give Tom Brady the edge, but it's going to be a a hard-fought win. It's not going to be an easy one. They're going to have to take it all the way down to the fourth quarter um it's going to be a defensive struggle throughout uh in that game and and then i think the, the following week if the bucks are to win that game they'll lose to whoever they play next um because they'll have expense all of their energy on on the uh football team and um it's not going to be a pretty result for them but we'll see what happens um it could go either way maybe washington surprises everybody and and blows out tampa bay or something i don't know but i think tampa bay uh definitely will win but it's going to be a a really hard struggle um in that game yeah 
yeah, I'd agree on that. I think it's going to be hard for them to um, go and and after playing this game, it's going to be a tough game for them to to kind of respond um, and and be able to beat whether it's you know Green Bay and Aaron, whether it's New Orleans. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, I think if it is New Orleans, it might be a little, but they got killed in New Orleans last time they played. So, um, as it stands, yeah, they have, I don't know why they have it laid out that way. Um, that is a horrendous layout, I guess. Well, the reality is we don't know Seattle, the top three seeds right now are, are the Packers, Saints and Seahawks, uh, you know, basically I think the Seahawks, if they win, they would go against the saints and then the bucks would go against the Packers. So whoever, yeah, the Packers are probably because to, to be completely honest, I, I don't think the, the Rams are like, well, I'll look, I'm looking at that and I'm just going to use the, what was it? Sporting news kind of visual and it's not great, but I'll take it that way. We'll go with the NFC. Um, the NFC West matchup, Seahawks, Rams, uh, the Rams don't have a quarterback right now. And, uh, I mean, they really, even with Jared Goff, it's kind of iffy, but he always seems to play well against Seattle. Uh, Wolford, they were able to win last week against the Cardinals who shit the bed, um, which makes me happy. Honestly, um, the Niners, beat them a couple weeks ago, which basically was the end of them. People don't want to say that, but that really was the end of the Arizona Cardinals season. Um, when the Niners beat them with, with CJ Beathard, um, I think when you lose to CJ Beathard, I think there's more than just losing a game. It's basically your manhood was taken away too, but that's beside the point. Um, that, that game, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson's getting in that boat of the same way as Drew Brees are. He's been one of the best players in the league for years and always seems to fall short of the MVP. It'll be yet another year of that. But there were times this year where he definitely did not play well. Um, he's going to him and him and DK Metcalf. They have like 18 running backs now. Uh, if they're able to do the ball control thing, uh, and DK Metcalf so able to have a good game against Jalen Ramsey, um, then I think that's going to be a, that'll be the edge for them. I mean, uh, Aaron Donald is a man child. He's a freak. Um, he could he could bench press a, a a semi, and he could wreak havoc and help whichever quarterback somehow or another. Um, win this football game. It's going to be an interesting game. Um, I, I for sure, I would think it'll be a tighter game than the Washington uh, Tampa contest, but I do figure Seattle will, will get the edge. Uh, what about you, Josh? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I think Seattle has the edge. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. Another defensive matchup. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I think the entire season he only allowed like 
20 yards a game or some figure like that. Uh, his ability to take out number one receivers is unquestioned. Um, I mean, it's a miss, I, not a miss, but he's missed in Jacksonville. Uh, I mean, even though it kind of ended on a bad note, I mean, you see why he was able to, uh, or why he was picked number five in 2016, and that's because he's a shutdown corner. Um, he just plays hard and hits hard. He's just got that attitude about him and uh, his ability to intimidate with his uh, uh, trash talk is uh, pretty good as well. Um, and, you know, he's just able to do all, all that stuff and be a uh, elite cornerback. But I think I'm going to give the edge to the Seahawks just because uh, I think Russell Wilson can pull it out uh, with his legs, his arm. Um, even if DK Metcalf doesn't have the game, because uh, he'll be covered by Ramsey. I think uh, Wilson can uh, spread the ball around enough to be able to uh, win that game. I'm not really sure I can trust John Wolford in the playoffs. Yeah, he had a, a good game and he was able to win with, against the Cardinals in Week 17, but not sure how it looks like in the playoffs. Um, maybe, maybe it's better than Jared Goff. I mean, there are some questions about Jared Goff and his ability to uh, really lead a team and quarterback and offense. Um, and they have doubted him in the past. And I think parts of this season have showed why parts of last season kind of showed why. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Blake Bortle shows up in the game since he's the backup now and, and uh, wills in the victory. I don't know. I'm, I'm just wishfully thinking there. Um, shout it to the vote, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. It's Yeah whatever i i just want to see seattle not make it that's all i really care it's fine they win this week it's fine as long as they don't make the super bowl it's 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 better for the world except for they're stupid for a stupid fan base their stupid fan base one of the most annoying and talk about um johnny come lately fan bases has ever been um the saints bears game you would you mean the Saints went to Chicago years ago with Drew Brees and and uh, Sean Payton, and they lost in an NFC Championship game there against Rex Effing Grossman and Lovey Smith. Um, going way, I mean, this is way, way back machine, but you assume whatever game is the last game that whatever whether it's Super Bowl whatever. It's probably the last games of Drew Brees' career as a as a quarterback because he's got a contract with NBC to call Notre Dame games next year, um, and likely they're trying to move him in to take over the Sunday Night Football uh, analyst slot uh, because I mean they're already first they're going to replace Al Michaels is going to quit after the next year's Super Bowl and Mike Tirico white bread personified will will be going and and um taking that spot and then i think drew Brees is gonna take chris collinsworth spot um which will make a lot of people happy of course um i don't hate him the way other people hate him but i don't hate him i i i don't i honestly don't mind him i think he's been pretty good for his for many years um maybe he's a little bit he's lost his his he's lost it uh a bit. I mean, I don't think he's like completely off the rails like Durwood, but you know, to you to each his own. But the Saints game, with the way the Bears have been able to kind of the momentum 
is is a much tighter game. Of course, having to play in New Orleans, even with nobody there, um, a track meet, um, another former Jacksonville Jaguar, and Allen Robinson being out there, being the main target for um, for uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who was drafted over um, Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, amongst others. Um, but he's playing all right, and and fundamentally, there's some tough players on that defense in Chicago. A lot of high picks. You know, you have Khalil Mack, of course, was their lead dog. They traded for. Um, they have other guys. I think this game. I, I mean, I'm not going to pick the K Adams Bowl uh, because she, she's from Chicago and she loves the Saints. I mean, the Saints are going to win, but I think it's going to be a lot tighter than uh, most people think it will be because I think Chicago can stick with them. David Montgomery has been playing really well um, this last month, which helped me in fantasy um, after basically being AWOL for the first uh, few months of the season. And, um, you know, Allen Robinson has been playing great. And they have some other pieces there. And Chicago is going to be a tough out. I, I, they're not they're not a layover here as a seven seed. I think this could be a really tough out for the New Orleans Saints. But I figure they will get that dub. How about you, man? Uh, I think it's going to be a tough out, like you say. Um, but uh, I, I think I'll lean with New Orleans here, too. Um, it's just... I think Chicago is the the weakest team in the NFC. You know they they had a, a an eight and eight record and uh, they they lost to a lot of teams. They they had the quarterback controversy with Foles and Trubisky uh, throughout the year, and both of them have struggled a lot. Uh, I think Breeze, while not elite anymore, uh, is going to be able to do enough to win the game. Uh, they'll have to rely on Alvin Kamara, maybe a little bit of Taysom Hill here and there, uh, Michael Thomas. You know that it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see what happens in, in that game. It, it, I think it, I agree with what you say. It's going to be a closer than what we expect game. Uh, it's just going to depend more on Chicago's part if they can keep up offensively. Uh, if yeah. Trubisky can be accurate enough, because there are games where he has been good but then there are also games where he's like really bad and mm-hmm. even in the good games he's had a lot of throws where it's like what what, what were you doing with yeah. uh, that throw um yeah I, I think he's gonna have to rely on his ability to scramble and uh make plays with his feet uh as much as his arm uh so we'll see what happens um i think alan robinson when they were in the playoffs in 2018 he had a, a really big game uh so i think he's gonna definitely be relied upon uh a lot. I, it's not a track meet like when you, I think you had said earlier. Uh, he's more of a um, just go up and get it kind of guy. Um, you know, point of attack kind of thing. But yeah, uh, it's you know not really so much a speed, just being able to just out jump the other guy and just you know run really good routes. Um, but he he definitely does have a little bit of speed to him though. I'll, I'll give him that on that. But um, it's gonna be an interesting game. Um, I yeah. I will lean with New Orleans in in that respect there. Yeah, the yeah, I, I mean, like Allen Robinson, he's uh, really like for he was in Jacksonville. He did good work there, 
but I don't know. I think he's taken a step even further above since he's moved to Chicago, yeah. even though he hasn't had consistent quarterback play there either. And that means that he's really, really damn good. Um, cornerback secondary play with New Orleans, it depends on the week. So he could have another big performance the way he did against Philly. Um, Jim Schwartz, of course, is a horrible play call. I mean, Philly's a disaster now, but uh, they, the New Orleans secondary depends on the week when what, what they're going to look like. They could be good. They could be bad. Michael Thomas hasn't played in a while. Uh, we'll see if he's able to function. Uh, Kamara definitely is the lead dog after that six touchdown performance a couple weeks ago. Um, he's, he's signed. He's definitely, um, hitched. He's probably put his, uh, name in the hat. He's going to be the guy it's this new Orleans saints situation has a lot of, um, similar feels to the Denver Broncos situation years ago with Peyton Manning, when he couldn't throw more than 10 yards or whatever the hell he couldn't hit the side of a barn at times, and he was just a waste. But they won a Super Bowl. Uh, that's literally where um, Drew Brees has kind of gone to. And um, it wouldn't be shocking, but I have a hard time believing they're going to go to Green Bay and beat Aaron. I don't think anybody really is. Um, Aaron was able to beat Seattle last year. Um, and that wasn't with like full on Devonte Adams going nuts like they're doing now. Um, the New Orleans Saints do not play well in cold weather, and then after that, I really don't see any of these other teams really being a factor. Uh, fundamentally, I don't outside. I mean, even Green Bay, I don't see any of these teams beating most of the AFC teams, and that's where we'll transition. I don't know. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to let you go, Josh. I want to go and uh, start with the 2-7 matchup because I think as we go down, I mean, each matchup has its little intrigue, but I, I think the I'm curious on your 4-5 thoughts as much later on. So Buffalo Bills, uh, Professor Jay was back in the league this year. He's one of my closest friends. Um uh, He's a the I got your five stars uh, podcast wrestling um, Buffalo diehard to the core uh, grew up there losing his mind uh, they have Jim Kelly Jr. now and Josh Allen the offense they're playing right now the way they look is unbelievable it's beautiful I love watching them play football uh, they play a complete game. And they're the momentum they have right now. It's a perfect time to have only one uh, buy because they're going to get a team that kind of is meh, you know, uh, at times this year, the Indianapolis Colts have not looked like that great of a team, uh, mainly because Philip Rivers does Philip Rivers things. Uh, they've lacked in some areas. Uh, they do have one of the best linebackers in Darius Leonard in the whole entire league, but they do lack elsewhere on other areas of the defense. I have a very hard time believing that they're going to be able to stop 
what the Buffalo Bills are doing on offense, especially on the passing game. The run game, you have DeForest Buckner because the Niners got rid of him and kept Eric Armstead for whatever reason. Um, the run game is not really what does anything for Buffalo. They don't really have the best run game at the moment. Um, Sean McDermott is a run guy, but this Brian Dable pass offense with Josh Allen is ridiculous. And um, it's going to be fun to see this game. Um, I figure Phillip Rivers is going to throw at least one interception, probably two. And that'll be the um, end of his career, probably, because it sounds like Indianapolis is, is looking for a quarterback. And um, either way, we will see. But I think Buffalo goes and wins that contest and moves on to play probably whoever, um, probably the Steelers again, which was ugly in more ways than one. But we'll probably talk about more about that next week. Yeah, so I think for me, the uh, this is an interesting matchup with the Colts and uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, he's been pretty elite this year, I think. I mean, there's a couple of games where he wasn't that good, but, you know, he been very well marked improved over what he has shown in the past uh, you know his rookie season uh you know we thought he wasn't gonna be good that he was really awful but last year uh two years he's been really excellent doesn't have a playoff win yet um which i'll bring up in a minute but philip rivers on the other hand uh i mean he hasn't he wasn't as bad as what he was last year uh but you know he's has been like excellent like uh josh allen has and he's gotten the job done for the most part um the buffalo bills uh they've won seven or last eight and uh won by 10 plus so it shows you just how much uh they can do offensively and you know what they can do um on, on that side of the ball and they have a uh decent defense i think as well but the colts have a pretty good defense well like you mentioned like uh darius leonard's a really good middle linebacker uh, they they've got a lot of good players on that ball. Um, it's going to be an uh, interesting matchup because the Colts are a indoors team and they're going to have to play outside in Buffalo where it's cold and maybe snowy. Don't know the exact weather conditions, but it's you know that's the type of environment that's going to be in for the Bills and they're going to have to travel um, out there and play in that kind of conditions. And it's going to be a lot different than how they uh, have normally played at home. So that'll be an interesting one. But yeah, they do have a decent running game. Jonathan Allen, I had him, or Jonathan Taylor, I had him uh, on my fantasy team this year. And, you know, he did really, really well. Um, won a lot of matchups for me and yeah. scored up a lot of points. Uh, Naeem Hines also was really well as a running back uh, and definitely a, a good number two option there. Um, T.Y. Hilton, solid as ever. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tight matchup. Um, and I'm going to go with the Colts here just cause of experience. I think Phillip rivers, um, he's got one last gasp, uh, in his career. And I think this is it. Um, and if uh, he wants to have a defining moment in his career in the playoffs, this is the game. This is the, the season to have it. Uh, Josh Allen last year wasn't great in Houston, uh, in the wild card playoffs. And I'm going to go with the experience in this matchup. So I'll go with the Colts. All right, so so we finally uh, differed on one of the games. So um, sorry, 
Professor Jay. Uh, Josh uh, picked the Colts, but um, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't. I, I think the way I mean the reality is if it weren't for the Hale Murray they'd have won eight straight games while walking into the playoffs. Um, if they were to go to to play, you know Kermit the Frog, Indianapolis is going to get run like they got run with with Andrew Luck a couple years ago um, in the snow in Kansas City in the divisional round. Uh, it's similar to what would happen if the Indianapolis Colts went there this year. Um, I hope, personally, I hope not. Um, not because I hate the Indianapolis Colts by any stretch of imagination. I think their owner's a piece of shit, but Frank Reich's a great man, one of the best coaches in the league. Um, his leaving the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, amongst many other things, has probably led to where they are now. Uh turning into a cesspool kind of organization like everybody in the NFC East is. Um, but hey, at least they won the Super Bowl and it was a great game and I got to be there, so it's whatever. Um, they could suck for the next 40 years and if you're alive and you're able to see it, that's really what it is. Um, you kind of deal with it. Um, the game that was kind of a mad game last week, they're saying there might be some differences this week. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so the first game of the week of the weekend will be on Saturday, one o'clock will be Bill's Colts. The last game of the weekend will be Sunday night football with Alan Chris will be Steelers Browns in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, the Manny Lopez bowl. Uh, I meant to text him there, but I ran out of time, probably text him after this, but um, it wasn't a great game on Sunday for Pittsburgh by any stretch, but they kind of knew that they weren't going to get the two seed. Uh, they had Mason Rudolph in the game. They're running Josh Dobbs out there. So you're really putting out some elite quarterback play um, against Cleveland with uh, Baker Mayfield, who at times couldn't hit the side of a barn, but other times was hitting uh, Jarvis Landry as number one target. Uh, they have other Richard Higgins, really solid player, uh, good speed, uh, good route running. They have the tight ends. David and Joku's corpse showed up. Um, he was catching passes. I think I forget who the guy there, the tight end they got from, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, Hooper. Austin. Yeah. Hooper. Austin Hooper. They paid a lot of money to, he was playing well. Um, I have to say that the Cleveland Browns are a lot better without Odell Beckham, and it's they 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 they're able to run the ball with that two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and um, why am I forgetting Kareem Hunt? Yeah, those two guys, and then that wide receiver tight end kind of mix. They have a lot of balance. Um, will Baker Mayfield in his first playoff game be able to handle the pressure? Um, He's been in tight spots before in the college game and didn't really have a great uh, performance. Will he be able to show up here? Kevin Stefanski in a lot of years would have probably gotten coach of the year by, by default because it's the effing Cleveland Browns and he took them to the playoffs. But Sean McDermott is probably going to get that, and um, it's well-deserved for all that he's been able to do in Buffalo. Um, I think Flores was in play until they shit the bed last week. Um, 
I was under the, I felt like they were going to play again this week, but Tua, Tua couldn't find Jesus or whatever, and he couldn't hit the side of a barn, and they shit the bed, and they got it like a 60-burger almost put on them. So, um, yeah, Steelers, in the end, they can't run the ball, the Steelers, and that's what's going to end them probably in this playoff because they can't control time of possession. Ben, they're under this assumption that he's going to, because they rested him, his arm, he'll be actually, he'll actually be able to throw more than 10 yards. Um, he can't, um, but he'll do enough. Uh, he'll, he'll be, he'll probably release one or two to like Claypool and the Claypool will get past their secondary and, and, and kind of get them that way. Um, they have like three running backs. I don't know which one to use the right time, what time. They don't know when to use the wide receivers at the certain time. What is it? Deontay Johnson likes to drop the ball a lot. Juju Smith-Schuster cares more about TikTok than he does about actually playing football. Um, it's definitely a crappy matchup in that sense in that it's just a divisional matchup and it's probably going to be kind of a grind-out, ugly um deal it's going to be a really bloody week for the AFC because whoever's the worst seed out of this gets to go to Kansas City which is just fucking horrible um, and play Kermit the Frog in that offense with a week off and then basically two weeks off in some cases and then you know otherwise then more than likely more than likely I'll play the Bills or go to the Bills which wouldn't be good either um, but um, I don't know where you're thinking on that AFC North battle between the Steelers and Browns. Well, I think I'm going to go with the Browns. Uh, I mean, I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, so, I mean, that was non-negotiable anyways. But, I mean, like you said, the Steelers have a hard time running the ball. Uh, pass protection is an issue for them. Um, they haven't had uh, good success on that side of the ball like the entire year. It's been a weakness for them. They've had a really good defense, I think, but they are really cold now going to the playoffs. They lost four out of the last five. Uh, they, If it weren't for that comeback that they had, which I think they, they got help from, from the refs uh, against the Colts uh, two weeks ago, they'd be on a five-game losing streak going to the playoffs, and that's not what you want. Um, you want to be hot going to the playoffs. They are the opposite of that. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a tough game. I think they, they, they do play hard, give them that, but I don't think they'll have enough to win. They just don't have the, uh, the right players in the right, right places to um, be able to um, make a push for a, a playoff run. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield, I think uh, his star is ascending. Uh, he does have his moments where he's, you know, really bad, but, I think lately he's been uh, really well, and as a quarterback, uh, they they've got Jarvis Landry, who um, not really the best receiver, but definitely gets it done. Uh, Austin Hooper, David uh, Njoku, definitely both of them solid tight ends uh, that have had pretty good production this year. Uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, elite running backs. I think well, Chubb is elite. I think uh, Kareem Hunt's definitely solid, but I think. They'll definitely be a, um, running the ball a lot and 
you know, passing the ball a lot with Baker Mayfield. And I, I it's not going to be a blowout victory with the Browns, but I think you can probably slide the Browns probably uh, at least a touchdown uh, in that game, and that will be the difference. Yeah, and I think that will – I mean, I, I would go and pick against uh, – I can't stand either team, the Seattle or the Rams, but I can't go against what – because of Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson, even though I hate Seattle with a passion, not the town Seattle, but the city, but just that team and the freaking Mariners for that matter, because yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't like their fans. They just annoy me. Um, it's wow. I'm talking wow. about the Steelers and the Browns. Well, I know that, but I'm just like, you, you hate the, but yeah, I get that oh, he's yeah. like, yeah, hey, I can't pick, I can't pick the Steelers. I'm like, that's what I'm, so I'm like, I'm kind yeah. of doing a callback on that, but yeah, it, I get it. The, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see, but that's not going to, I, I really don't think that's going to be a great game. I feel like the best, there's the, the best game of the weekend, the most interesting, there's a lot going on in this next game. And I'm going to throw to you first in regards, you have a lot of experience and you went through some bad times having to deal with uh, King Derrick Henry this year and the last couple of years, really, where he has emerged as this like, 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 uh, I don't know what to call him. He's, he's a transformer, I think. Um he literally runs different than any other running back I've ever seen in my life. Unlike Mark Ingram, I think he really did deserve his Heisman Trophy, even though, yeah, he beat Christian McCaffrey, but he did deserve his Heisman Trophy. The guy is a freak of nature. He's carried the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'll throw to you first, though, and before I give my thoughts. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, the, the Titans, um, they they have a good offense, I think, uh, uh, obviously, Derrick Henry, King Henry. Uh, he's he's been an elite running back, probably the best running back in the NFL right now. Uh, the last two and a half seasons, um, he's just whatever. I don't know what, what it was because, like, you know, his first couple of years he wasn't really anything, and then he just like somehow just started performing well. I mean, it was that it was that one game he had against the Jaguars, four touchdowns and like 240 yards that just like propelled him to greatness somehow. I don't I don't know how that happened, but Didn't he baptize um, didn't he like baptize somebody and like get on angry like he went and ran over like three was that your game in a Thursday night or something where he like stiff armed two guys on like a yeah. 99 yard. Yeah, that's what it Yeah, I, I hate talking about that yeah, run. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, but it's it's fine. No, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he stiff armed uh, AJ Bouye and um, uh, shoot, what's the other guy's? Um, I forgot the other guy's name. His uh, fourth string linebacker or whatever. But yeah, he's probably um, yeah. yeah. But he probably yeah, yeah, his soul. He gave. He took his soul, his manhood, yeah. and all that. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. We'll see what happens with the Henry on Sunday. If, um, I mean, he is playing against two former Jaguars and Clayus Campbell and, and, uh, Yannick Ngakwe there. So, um, you know, they, they have bad experience against, uh, King Henry there. So, I mean, you got to give, give one, uh, or that, that's uh, one in favor, I think for him, uh, in the Titans there. But, um, 
Ryan Tannehill's been pretty solid, although his ability of as a quarterback, I think, is dependent on on Derrick Henry's success. Uh, I mean, he has good numbers this year. He's got like 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, but I, th- I think his ability to carry a team is dependent on on Derrick Henry's success in the running game. Uh, if you know Derrick Henry can rush for uh, over 100 yards and have you know at least like five yards carry something like that, then I think it'll be an easy game for uh, Tannehill to do play action and uh, just pass when he needs to, and that'll be the way that they uh, win that game. And I'm. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Titans here. Uh, I think for the the Ravens' sake, I mean I think they do have a good defense or a decent enough defense. But I think offensively, uh, you know if if he can make Lamar Jackson one dimensional and make him be a passer, then I think you make them a team that's easier to beat per se. Um, if if he's able to get out and run, then that's when they're able to do things on offense and have success. But you know, if you if you can just make him be a passer, keep him contained in the pocket, then you'll have an easier time beating that team. And that was the formula last year. That's what they did when they uh, shocked the world and beat them in Baltimore. Uh, that you know they were able to actually you know contain him in the pocket and uh, make him make throws that he's not normally accustomed to making. And uh, if if you make him you know, be inaccurate, then it's, um, and keep in the pocket, then it's going to be a relatively easy game, uh, for, uh, them, but the Titans do have a pretty bad defense. I mean, Jacksonville almost beat them in week two, 30 to 30 loss for the Jaguars. So, uh, that tells you how bad the Titans defense is this year. And they're the only team in the playoffs to allow more than, uh, I mean, so, they, the only team um, in the last 20 years to um, score or allow more points per game than the Titans is the 2000 Rams, uh, 29 uh, points per game, and in the uh, playoffs, the that's you know that's pretty bad for a, a defense. Um, they've they've just been poor overall in defense, but if they can if they can be good uh, on offense, then I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, it's going to be a shootout, I think, but I'm, I'm going to lean with the Titans here, uh, even though I hate them. So yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's you brought up a lot of good points about Lamar Jackson, and it's interesting in that they run basically the same offense now with Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator as they did uh, as he did with uh, San Francisco I brought up Jim Harbaugh earlier doing callbacks so I'm doing another callback when they went to the Super Bowl uh, Greg though not this past year but a few years ago against Baltimore and those shitheads um, double murderer um, that stuttering fuck Jerome Boger. Um, there's a whole work. I can only imagine Steve Bashotti, him and Roger Goodell use Benoit balls on each other. Fucking douchebags of both of them. Anyway, the fact is Greg Roman's offense is very limited and he's very limited as a play caller. And, uh, Lamar Jackson as a passer, um, God bless him. He's very limited. And fundamentally, it's it's a thing where if he can't get A.J. Brown off the 
with a deep ball or the or you have what's his name Des Bryant now all of a sudden I was thinking Des Bryant might be a bigger part of the, the equation which might be a, something that could help him but Lamar Jackson can't hit the side of a barn at times which is just like Colin Kaepernick which you know people that that then I, I could go off on tangent about how Colin Kaepernick got ran out of this league and when you watch Lamar Jackson the guy won the MVP last year and he had great games and he, he can run the ball and he's an amazing athlete um but somebody has to show him videotape of like Randall Cunningham and tell him to throw like Randall Cunningham because fundamentally he throws he's a horrible thrower of the football um and I think Cap could have used that same kind of video because Randall Cunningham or Warren Moon, those are two guys. Like it's not just because I'm saying that because they're African American quarterback. They were able to do like Warren Moon was a legitimate elite passing quarterback. He destroyed records in the CFL. He destroyed records in the NFL. He was a passing quarterback, but for some reason didn't get drafted in the NFL because of whatever stupid idiot sticks that ran team ran um, evaluation and GMs and all that. Randall Cunningham got the shot and he, he set records in two places with Philly with, with the Minnesota Vikings in 98, which is the fact they didn't make the Super Bowl is criminal that year. Um, Cause Atlanta wasn't that good. Um, but it was a good NFC championship game, but still, that was Randy Moss's rookie year. He had Chris Carr. Oh, was, oh man, so many great players. I'm not even Minnesota Vikings, but Randall Cunningham was the ultimate to me for a right-handed guy. Like the, the for like you people talk about Vic. They talk about other guys like for the for African American quarterbacks. But Randall Cunningham was the guy to me. It was him and Warren Moon, and that's period end of story. You got. And if Russ, if, if they like, they, I guess Russell Wilson's in that, you know, they, people talk about him now. Lamar Jackson is not ready and they're going to, they're going to take an L um, on Sunday. They're going to take an L on Sunday because Derrick Henry is going to run all over him again. Uh, there's nothing that tells me Patrick Queen is a really good player. He he in time he could be at a level similar to Ray Lewis. He won't murder people or stab other people or do whatever other murderous or illegal things that Ray Lewis has done. Patrick Queen is a really good player. They can't stop Derrick Henry. Um, AJ Brown, really tough player. Secondary is not great. They actually call holding penalties on him now, unlike back when the Niners played him in the Super Bowl. Um, Jimmy Smith holds on every play because he can't cover anything. Um, the reality is AJ they can't handle A.J. Brown. And I, they have a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of crossing patterns that they can run with the tight ends and along with some of their small wide receivers. It, Tannehill is serviceable and I got to give him credit 
after being put through the Miami ringer, he has been able to remake his career and Mike Vrabel and that organization, that is a credit to them. They, they, they stuck with, um, with Derrick Henry and he's now become this beast. They got Ryan Tannehill on a downhill thing and they got him to now, they got this nice little thing they got going on there. Titans are going to be tough. They're going to be tough for a while to just something like with Josh, with your Jacksonville Jaguars, that is a tough division. Um, Houston is a disaster area. They have Deshaun Watson for now and nothing else really. They're stuck. They're going to be in deep shit for a while. Um, Indianapolis is not really going away. That is going to be a tough division. That's going to be a really that's you're going to screw each other out of playoff positioning uh, because it's a tough division. But to me, Titans win this game. Uh, I don't see why it would be any different this year than what happened last year or in yeah in January of, of 2020 when they saw nobody thought they were going to win that game or a lot of people didn't think they were going to win that game but they did um I don't see why it would be different Titans are playing well enough Baltimore doesn't have enough offense their defense is good but not great I mean John Harbaugh and I think when when it's a negligible, it's a fifty it's a fifty game. That's what it should be. The four five matchup should be a fifty fifty game. In a lot of ways, it is, but they don't have Derrick Henry. So it's it, to me, Derrick Henry is an MVP guy. Like legitimately, should be getting MVP votes. He won't because they only give MVP votes to quarterbacks. They don't give them to like the the. Aaron Donald's of the world or Derrick Henry's of the world. The last running back that won the MVP was Adrian Peterson in 2007, but I think he ran for 2,000 yards too, which... That was, yeah, 2012. And I think that was the co-MVP. With, like um... That. Okay, yeah, good yeah. good, good uh, pick up on that. I, th- I thought it was 2007. For some reason, I keep on thinking, but it was 2012. Yeah, they had a good run that year too. Um... Or what? Because I know that there's a year, the first year, um, Brett Favor went over there. The, he had a big year too, but that was Adrian Peterson in his prime. Um, we'll transition in a. I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted. I guess we were talking about. Well, I don't think it really deserves uh, any real real talk because. The guy that they were going to use. I'm sure. You know what? I'm going to click on that. But do you have anything else? Any thoughts on the playoffs this weekend, or kind of how about Nickelodeon actually showing a game this weekend? The New Orleans Chicago game is going to be on Nickelodeon. So there, somebody's going to get slimed. Do you think? Do you have any idea who do you think is going to get slimed? Do you think it's going to be uh, Mitchell Trubisky? More than likely, it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky. He seems like the kind of guy that would go and get slimed, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's a kind yeah. of a silly deal there. I mean, yeah. I, maybe you know, like when, um, you know, ten, well, not ten years ago, but maybe like you know, 
13, 15 years ago, if Nickelodeon broadcasting a game, I'd probably be a little bit more hyped for that, but I'm a little bit too old for that. But I mean, I'm sure that'll be a little bit funny. We'll see. Maybe they'll dump slime on Drew Brees or Mitchell Trubisky after the game. Well, that'd be interesting. (laughs) Well, that's, I think the only reason I care about it being on Nickelodeon is one, because I watch GMFB and Nate Burleson's going to be calling the game, but also because Ian oh. Eagle's kid is going to be calling the game, and Ian Eagle's an absolute beast, and he's been a beast for a long time, and he's probably on deck to be a team for CBS once Jim Nance stops looking at himself in the mirror and talking about how great he is. Ian um, Eagle's been a Northeast. He's a been a... a calling games, hockey, basketball, baseball, you know, he can call anything. Um, and his kid's actually going to be calling a game. So I, I kind of want to watch because of that. Now, if, if you're bringing out SpongeBob SquarePants, I really don't care, you know, all that stuff. Like if it, for me, I'm going even further back. I'm a, I, I go back to Sesame. It's Sesame Street and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not TMNT, <laughs> not any of this other crap. Like I'm actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know that that's my cartoons that I can remember. Outside or not cart, but like those are the things I can remember. Um, I remember when my my um, cousin cousins were here years and years ago and we had to listen to Barney and I wanted to throw something through our TV. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think that that'll be interesting to say the least. Um, Manny told was telling me more details about that last Sunday when I got completely shit faced, um, and couldn't function on Monday. Uh, but well, I sort of function on Monday, but, um, We'll um, go from there. Uh, uh, Kyle Larson has already proven to be a great hire for um, Hendrick Motorsports in so many ways. Um, his uh, maggot-loving uh, spotter already got fired, um, which was hilarious. But, you know, I didn't know who this guy was. Then I looked at his Twitter, Twitter, and then I, I realized, yeah, it makes sense that he's Kyle Larson's uh, spotter. And then that lasted, I think, two days. And then um, so now I wonder who he's going to have as a spotter. My hope is that this idiot um, doesn't get hired by the 14 because we still don't know who um, Chase Frisco's crew chief or spotter is going to be, uh, uh, which uh, is something. Um, there was an Indian rider in the Dakar that had to be resuscitated, um, but he's still alive. So thank God for that. Uh, the Suzuki, uh, team boss. The, so the boss of the team that won the MotoGP world championship, uh, isn't going to be, uh, going to the Alpine formula one team, which is insane. Uh, to go from Suzuki to or going from two wheels to four wheels. I don't know how how that happens, but I think the main the main story that we'll we'll go over here uh, is is somebody Josh is aware of being a sim guy. Um, 
Anthony Alfredo, Fast Pasta. I think we were thinking it was probably going to go Xfinity Racing this year, probably with RCR. He'd done a lot of good work, but somehow or another, Myatt Snyder found the funding and got the ride. But it looks like uh, when it comes to Anthony Alfredo, he still has the funding to be able to, to do enough work to cover his end of the deal in the 38 car, similar to other drivers, similar to like a John Hunter and Emacek. And there will be a rookie battle this year in 2021. Um, instead of Chase Briscoe being like John Benson Jr. Uh, back in 96, there will be an actual or other guys that ran basically unopposed. Um, there will be a rookie battle this year. Uh, thoughts on uh, Fast Pasta um, getting a call to run Cup full time? Get it, this the first big, real um, full time opportunity for Anthony Alfredo, and he's going to be up there running the Daytona 500 here in six weeks' time. Yeah, I think for Alfredo, you know, it's a, a positive moment in his career, and and um, I wasn't expecting him to be in the Cup Series in 2021, but you know, here we are. Uh, for him, you know, this is a next step in his career. Uh, I, you know, you talk about the rookie battle. I don't know if he'll really challenge uh, Chase Briscoe overall the entire season in the rookie battle but you know if he if he wins a race and briscoe somehow doesn't then he's automatically the rookie of the year uh yeah. the way this thing works now exactly. so i mean it's definitely possible and then, you know it happened last year uh but i think alfredo you know he can have some solid results at you know some of the shorter tracks and maybe a super speedway here and there kind of similar to you know what the 38 has kind of been known to do uh in its history in the cup series um, we'll see, you know, what happens and, and what just, you know, exactly what he can do. You know, if he can stay out of trouble, uh, you know, get top twenties or, you know, compete for, um, top 20 finishes and, you know, uh, keep the car clean and, and not make any mistakes, then you should have a, a solid season. Uh, I don't know what the funding is, like who's going to be sponsoring him, but, this is, you know, definitely something that he can build upon for his career. And to start out with his career, you know, he was with Junior Motorsports in uh, the Cars Tour, uh, you know, one of the lower series with uh, Josh Berry, I think, for like a year. And then he moved up uh, into trucks or something. And then he went to Xfinity with RCR, and he's done a really solid job in that 21 car. Uh, you know, he's also a solid sim racer too, and it's got some really good explanation videos up on there on his YouTube channel that you can watch and uh, explain some of the intricacies with uh, iRacing uh, and its latest build on there too. But uh, this is uh, definitely some uh, solid news that could happen, and uh, I guess this is the Wednesday breaking news in NASCAR for sure. Because I I heard you know some rumors about you know another driver big name that was going to retire, but um, I guess this is the big news and it's not quite as big as you know some driver retiring, but definitely yeah. a positive uh, surprise I I, I would say because um, I'm not sure if any of us really had him on on the list to be in that 38 cars. Uh, we knew it was going to be open, but uh, I would have thought maybe another driver would be in that seat, but good for him. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad for Anthony Alfredo. I mean, we've talked about him here um, in different at different times. You know, you always get to you always reference fast pasta, so I I had to use that when I went and brought it up. But yeah, uh, he's he's been he's he's a grinder, and I and he's a Northeast guy, and he's a good kid. He somehow I, I I just love the story of when he was installing the rig in Chad Knauss's house and then he starts asking him what he, what who he is and what he does and he's like oh yeah I race cars like oh where who do you race for he's like oh, I race for RCR I forget what he's like that's it's crazy to me like he's sitting there setting up a rig in one of the greatest crew chiefs ever's house and during the week and then he's jumping in a car um it's cool um bob jenkins doesn't give young guys a whole lot of time i think john hunter nemechek kind of ran his course there uh he did he did the solid for matt tift um of course ran way better than matt tift and then drove the 38 car and at times last year was really was the best rookie and uh then later in the year, kind of just kind of went away. Uh, it's going to be a learning curve for uh, the way the cars are relative to the way the Xfinity cars run. I think it'll be harder for, but I think both rookies are going to struggle at times for sure. I don't know if it'll be as um, they'll spend as much time on it. They might spend more time on it, at least in the first part of the year, because of course, Clint Boyer's going to be butthurt that he got fired uh, for for Chase Briscoe. Um, but that's mainly because Clint Boyer sucks. And um, he's an inbred moron. And Chase Briscoe actually has more talent than him. Um, and he has a sponsor, which also doesn't hurt, in uh, High Point, which comes from New Jersey. Um, had to get that reference in there. Um, and yeah, and I, I think the rookie battle will be a little bit more intriguing for a little while. I do believe the way that things are laying out, uh, racetrack wise early in the year, it could be put to rest early, um, based on a couple of tracks they are going to be running early in the season. Uh, but even if not, uh, it's going to be tough for a front row motorsports car to beat a Stuart Haas racing car heads up for a rookie championship. And so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm just going to go off of, I mean, before we go, we're going to talk about the IndyCar series, but um, credit to motorsport.com for being awesome. Um, Davide Brivio, will be moving from the Suzuki MotoGP team to Alpine F1. He has connections to people that are at the Alpine team, which is a former Renault uh, F1, basically the Enstone Benetton goes way back machine. So he had connections to people that were there when he was working with them at Yamaha in MotoGP where he won all those world championships with Rossi and uh, Jorge Lorenzo. So it isn't as crazy. Um, Lee Holdsworth uh, 
got sent by uh, Tickford. So now there's a ride open there this late in the game. Um, I'm, of course, with the Australian Grand Prix being uh, delayed, or I don't know where the uh, Supercars Championship will be, um, when they'll be starting their season, but um, there's a big seat open. Lee Holdsworth has been a veteran around a long time. Um, but uh, the number five car uh, for Tickford Racing will be open. Um, Cooper McNeil, his dad, um, and his dad will be running a, they'll be running a Porsche in the GTLM class uh, this year instead of running GTD where they've been for many years running Ferraris or some sort of car. Usually it's Ferrari and, and um, they run Le Mans. They'll be running a GTLM this year, which will also get them into the Le Mans 24 hours. Um, they're just basically filling the field because the GTLM class as we um, stand is, basically the Corvette racing team and nobody else until now. Um, they'll have an all-star cast of Porsche drive contracted Porsche drivers driving with Cooper McNeil and they'll be kind of doing a, a rotation of drivers during the whole entire season, um, which will be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be, I wonder if Cooper McNeil and them will win a race at all. I have a hard time believing they will. Um, it, they've killed, they've killed the division again, the same way as they killed the GT one class years ago. So now I'm curious as to how IMSA will respond, uh, to for 2022 with how some things are going in other places like, uh, DTM going to GT3 regs. I feel like GT3 regs are going to be the new um, lead class of um, IMSA. And then GT4 will be the new pro-am kind of situation. So how that affects um, fields and, and class sizes and the whole bit will be interesting to see. Um, Legendary team owner Pat Patrick uh, passed away at 91. Um, he won the Indianapolis 500 with um, uh, Gordon Johncock in 1982. He's connected. Mo of course in 89 with um, Cheap was a was a minority owner on that team too. Um, they with Hi to my family at home. Won the Michigan 500 over Alan Sir Jr. They were the Firestone Factory team. He ran the Alpha program. He's a legend. Um, Pat Patrick, he was around for many years. Uh, one of the best owners in open wheel racing for many years. Uh, he passed away. So um, um, prayers to his family during this difficult time, it's definitely an insane time in so many ways, but, um, uh, I'll, uh, before we go tonight, we'll, uh, go over the IndyCar season now being delayed. Um, there's, they were supposed to start, of course, at St. Pete, um, 
they have now moved the St. Pete uh, IndyCar opener to after the uh, Barber Motorsports Park race, which means Barber will open the IndyCar season. Uh, thoughts on how the schedule will lay out. Also, Long Beach had to be moved. Long Beach, of course, was going to be in April like it always has been for many years. But they moved it to September because of COVID and because California and everything that's going on. So I guess overall, Josh, thoughts on what IndyCar is doing to kind of respond to this pandemic after what they were able to do last year and then also um, having to delay the start of this season to um, now Barber Motorsports Park in early April. Yeah, I mean, for uh, IndyCar, I mean, it's a it's a move that I guess they had to make, and it's preemptive, um, preventative, I guess you could say. Um, being in a kind of a you know St. Pete in that area, it's a you know more of a much more of an urban area, and I guess maybe there's more opportunity for people to contract the virus, and certainly you know, want to keep fans safe and keep the IndyCar teams and the drivers safe, and you know all the officials and you know, everything you know, our, our friend Tanner probably is going to be involved in that. Certainly, hopefully he's safe in, in that as well. Um, so I guess, you know, they had to do it. Uh, it I guess, you know, it was uh, good time, not good timing, but like um, it, it was uh, something that, you know, if they didn't do this, um, they could be liable uh, in the future. So um, it, it's a, it's definitely disappointing that it's being delayed, but you know it's not like a, a that big of a deal. On on the other hand, uh, it's opportunity for uh, Barber to be the first race of the year uh, on April 11, um, and and certainly for them at least they don't have to have a delay. And uh, at least at least for the series, you know it's not like a a massive delay in uh, by any means. You know it's only by a month, so. Um, yeah, at least with the IndyCar series, they they have enough openings on the schedule to continue to um, make adjustments as they need to. Um, so at least that you know they have that going for them, where they're able to move races if they need to. But hopefully, you know there are no more races that uh, that they have to move around. Hopefully, the schedule stays at it as it is, and you know they can continue on. Um, for me, like being in Florida, it's, uh, you know, definitely kind of interesting how some places are dealing with it versus others. Um, and, you know, I think the lesser populated places, maybe not as much, uh, have, you know, had issues with the virus versus, you know, the more, uh, populated places like St. Pete, Tampa, Jacksonville, Orlando, and Miami. So, um, uh, it's interesting to see how that happens. Um, uh, I mean, I, w- I would like to attend that race, and, you know, there's, like, you know, the Rolex 24, the 500, the road course at Daytona, and then this race and Homestead, you know, it's, like, kind of like the, the tour of Florida um, for the NASCAR and IndyCar and IMSA, uh, that, you know, like in such too. a short time, and Sebring, yeah, Sebring as well, the 12 hours there, um, 
So I'll, I'll see. I may be able to attend this race. You know, I'm as long as nothing happens on my own schedule and and everything, and uh, as long as I feel comfortable going, I might try to make it out to that race. Um, you know, well, you have of course, time taking the pre- yeah. I mean, as long as uh, you know the the precautions and everything, just you know take all the necessary safety protocols. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, definitely, um, uh, not a positive news, but at least it's not like we get to St. Pete like last year and the race yeah. has to be canceled on the weekend. So, Same I mean, at least it's better than that. Well, yeah. And that actually brings up a point that actually brings up the point about how Australia had to be, um, there's a lot of stuff going on, semantics going on with Formula One and their schedule. Um, Australia is going to be delayed. They've had to move that race back. It looks like Bahrain is going to get um, brought in for not only testing, but they're probably going to open the season there, which they've done before. Um, there seems to be talk of the possibility of running the Roval again. Uh, there's also rumors about uh, Imola and Portimao getting put on the calendar. A lot to be uh, discussed, of course, and um, looked at. But, um, you know, with St. Pete having to be moved, it's not shocking because of, you know, you know DeSantis and, you know, him being a, Trump all liquor. It, it kind of makes sense that they had to move this. They had to move it to the finale. It added ended up being a very nice finale. Um, now that Long Beach has had to be moved to the season finale in September, um, there's likely it'll be hard for St. Pete to be moved again. Um, the fact they're able to move it is good. Um, Barber being the opener is not a bad thing because with this current car, Barber has actually been a lot more racy. Um, So I think it's good for, and then they'll be able to do their testing, uh, whatever, whenever they decide that they're going to do, if they're going to do testing or whatever. I think going and having testing might do similar to what Daytona is going to be and isolate and kind of have like a pod of, sorts for a couple of weeks i think they can go and do that for testing and then go do a do a sort of spring training and then go into the indycar opener uh that would be cool i think that would be good um and for the teams it it depends you know like for dale coin they don't have any drivers so um they're back to what Dale Coyne has been for many years. Uh, it hadn't been the case recently, but Dale Coyne's back to not having any drivers. Um, I mean, it kind of seems like it'll be Charlie Jimble Kimball and um, uh, Spencer Piggott because Piggott has the money from uh, what's his face, that Chicago guy um, that he that he had that he ran for last year. Um, they'll, it looks like they're going to run that, um, that money is going to be brought over to, uh, coin. So he'll be able to run there. Um, 
and uh, that'll probably and Charlie Kimball bring his money uh, with his diabetes and uh, run that one car or other car and then they'll run a third car for Indy um, which is of course to be determined who will drive that because of course it's Dale Coin Racing um, before we go Josh uh, let us know where you can follow you uh, on the socials and um, anything else going on anywhere that you're going to be running um, on your Twitch stream for uh, your iRacing. Yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter uh, at JP Huffine and uh, the Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash usailor2. Uh, we'll try to get some streams later on the week, uh, probably in the weekend. Um, uh, got some Talladega with uh, the 87 car, which I did yesterday, um, and it was actually a, a lot different than it was in the the previous uh, build with iRacing, and the 87 car is basically a lot faster and a lot a lot looser now, so it's a, definitely a lot harder to drive than what it was like a month ago on the previous build with iRacing. So it's a little bit, a little bit more challenging and uh, definitely um, a little bit uh, tougher to drive around people and definitely have to be a little bit more careful now. I feel like I was starting to get a little bit more aggressive uh, because of that, but then uh, other people can't hold their lines and stuff. So, you know, uh, I'll make sure to stream that so you can see that entertainment. Um, trying to get into some more road racing as well uh, w- with uh, the iRacing stuff. Uh, trying to you know build up my road license so I can get into the um, IndyCar Road Series and compete on that because it's an open setup and uh, I think the level of competition there is a little bit better than on the fixed oval side. So we'll try to build that up um, and and uh, improve improve on that side of the thing. But um, that that's where you can follow me and and uh, watch all my stuff. All right, yeah, definitely. Let's uh, we're back here and we're gonna be on hopefully every week. Gonna adjust to Wednesday nights because of um, work for me and bowling. Uh, Maybe we'll talk some bowling too. Why not? Maybe I could get yeah. some people to talk bowling because I love bowling. And um, PBA Tour will be back, of course, uh, as well here. So hey, that'd be another thing. I don't know about you. I don't know. Are you big? Are you big into the PBA Tour or in a bowling you play or? I, I've got a bowling ball. Um, I kind of have to since I'm left-handed. You know, they the, all the house balls are uh... drilled for right-handed. Um, nice. but I, I mean, I it's not solely because of that, but, uh, I mean, I, I got into it enough to be able to have ball and I, I like having my own bowling ball anyways. It's, it's better than just showing up and using the house balls and all that. But, um, I, I'm not as good as my dad. My dad's a really good bowler. Uh, uh, he was in a league. Um, I don't, he's not anymore, but, um, he, he did pretty well. Um, I, I forgot his average, but it's like. Uh, he, I think he can get like up into the 200s um, on a good night. Um, me, I'm uh, probably like 120, 130-ish, which is um, not really that great. I mean, maybe among my friends, but you know, if I'm in yeah. the league, that's pretty bad. So um, uh, I'm okay enough to probably be competitive on some stuff. I can only throw straight balls. Uh, I don't know how to throw a curve. I, I just don't have the. 
I guess, confidence to be able to slide on one foot and curve it out, I guess. It's it's a, a lot tougher that way, I guess. Straight and narrow for me. Yeah, I, I used to throw the high hard one. Uh, my mom uh, went and bought me a 12-pound bowling ball. What the heck was it? Like 20-plus years ago. And we i used that for like one of my birthdays it was like yeah it's 20 plus years ago and i still have it i mean i have an arsenal now um thanks to buddy's pro shop um because they are they're from connecticut and they sponsor some guys that i that i'm a fan of um mainly packy from the house um if you're on YouTube and you're a bowling person, you know the house, you know Brad and Kyle, you know Packy. He's hilarious. He he's he will he's a two-handed left he's two-handed guy from the left side. I got a t-shirt coming for my birthday. I'm gonna probably one of these days, like probably the day after my birthday, because my birthday is gonna be on a Tuesday here. Um, yeah, it's a Tuesday. So we'll, I think we have to show, we have to do show and tell, you know, like how, um, chocolate Myers talked about hump day show and tell, even though it's on the radio, which tells you all you need to know about chocolate Myers. Um, I'll actually do hump day show and tell with some of the gifts that I'm getting. Um, now I know that now that I know that you're a bowler and you're a Southpaw, now we got another thing we got to talk about. That's awesome. I never knew that. Yeah. So that's definitely cool that we found that out here. Um, after bowling six games, um, I'm feeling it. The back spasms are happening. Um, using the new equipment that I had today. Um, started out strong and ran out of gas uh, late. Uh, of course, I was having to post bowl two leagues. So, um you know, it's probably part of it. Um, I'll be in a lot better shape, I would think, next week when I'm bowling three and three and uh, using my, my equipment. I might have to figure out. I need probably need to get some new bags. I bought two new bags, and I still need a new bag. It's bad. My mom's probably going to kill me. But um, for me, you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow us at GripStripPod. Uh, trying to get more active on there. Um, my it's my fault with a lot of the things with the posting and all. And I I'm, I'm gonna utilize that resource at philip or which is the uh, blog site for me. Um, I figure Josh and I will will start coming up with some ideas for some blogs and all that. Uh, you could find stuff that I'm doing on sportlightpro.com as well, uh, which is George Housen's uh, site. He runs the F1 uh, Grid Talk, the Grid Talk podcast. He's a good friend, and he's been a good friend to us here on the GSP. And um, follow them, uh, Sportlight Pro. Um, grid talk f1 grid talk the f1 chronicle at f1 chronicle sorry um so that's all the socials for us 
Um, we'll have this show out hopefully uh, soon enough by the end of the week because things are kind of slowing down a bit. Um, you know, it's kind of getting back to normal, and we'll be we'll be back next week to talk about football. We'll talk about what the divisional round will be looking like. We're going to give you a Chili Bowl preview because there's a lot of big names in that race. Um, people who probably chase the capital today want Kyle Larson to win. Um, and he's, of course, a favorite. There's other guys that'll be in there that um, that have a chance. Um, you know, they're more former or winners, of course, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the guy that goes and prepares a track and his hot girlfriend. Um, we'll talk about the Rolex 24, maybe. Uh, you have to see. We might be able to have a special guest on the on the hook as well, but that's to be determined. Um, we'll see all what all that happens and. Hopefully we'll be on YouTube here soon enough. We might post this on YouTube. I don't know if it'll be today, this episode, but um, we're going to figure out a way we'll be on YouTube just like some of these other podcasts are. Uh, But uh, with that, stay safe, take care of one another, um, care about your fellow person in this time that we're in, um, wear a mask, uh, social distance, do what you can so that we can get back to where we're going and having, uh, doing bench racing at races, going and shotgunning beers or doing whatever you want, we want to do and make 2021 a lot better than what uh, this last year, or even longer than that has been. Uh, take care. God bless. And we'll see you next week on the GSP.